Uh, welcome. Here's Oliver Shira again for another Oliver Shira show. Today I'm with Alex Ivanov. Uh, virtually, he's in Texas, as far as I remember. I'm in Denmark, and I have extra cowboy hat here. <laughs> Hi, Alex. Hi, Oliver. So we met on LinkedIn a few weeks ago uh, by being by posting. Uh, comments on the same block and then we connected and since ever we spent most of your drivings in the morning chatting over whatsapp uh, about the world and what we are doing and yeah we agreed to make this uh, podcast episode because i think you have something to add to my listeners so um i'm not going to describe it too much you you've been writing some books you're a software engineer you're russian american you have kids a wife you just moved to texas uh, into a new house and you had a blasting what is it now 40 50 days yes very very productive past 45 days is definitely going to be a topic of an upcoming book <laughs> Uh, but for now, yes, just enjoying the most productive stretch of my life by far. Okay. So for people which don't know you, and I only know you now from our morning talks, <laughs> how would you describe yourself in like three sentences or three headlines? Yeah. So I would say words wise, I would say charismatic, driven, and authentic. If I had to pick three off the top of my head. But in short, it's a, I would say I was a shy software engineer. Fast forward to now 20 years into a software engineering career in aerospace and defense. Shy is no longer part of my vocabulary. And I'm just very excited to share with others that with a little bit of hard work, I mean, you too can do pretty much anything. Great. So, yeah, from the so uh, what was your first book then? Was it from the software? Soft, uh... So my first book was actually on how to use IBM Connections, which is really like a social collaboration tool that you install at a large company. So, for example, Southwest Airlines, that's one of the companies that uses it. So it's basically my first book was how to become your company's rock star by pumping out content on social media. So it's really how to use social media inside the walls of your organization to quickly accelerate your fame and fortune, which basically means promotions. I mean, if nobody knows who you are, then there's a smaller chance you'll get promoted. But if they know who you are, that raises your chances. And as in my own life story, it led to, a, I mean, it changed my life basically. Okay, so that's probably what helped you not to be so shy anymore if you write a book about that. You definitely did, definitely did. Yeah, to follow my standard questions before we go off the rockets, <laughs> uh, I already warned you, my favorite question is the color question, uh, your new color in a crayon box, uh, what color would you be and why? So my color is definitely red, I don't know if you could see anything, but I'll just help hold up my... Um, so this is TB12. It's a red, it's a red t-shirt. It's actually the first piece of merchandise that I bought that represents Tom Brady, who's one of my favorite people. Um, he plays football. Anyway, so red is the color and red stands for power. I mean, I feel like I have so much power, which when I was younger, I did not feel that I had. So 
I'm just very excited and I've basically gravitated towards red. So I've got a sports version of a car with a letter S on it, which is red. And, and I'm buying like everything red. I've got a red, red steering wheel cover and a whole bunch of other stuff. So red is my new favorite color. And that's about it. Because of the power. So what was it before then? If it's something was, new. It was blue. It was blue. So <laughs> blue is my favorite color. Just kind of a go with the flow. And uh, yeah, so now it's definitely red. I actually remember attending a, a meetup in Canada when I was one of my many business trips. And I attended a meetup that was about the law of attraction. It was a law of attraction. It was about 10 people in a room. I think we were like in a conference or in a library room. And somebody talked us through like what colors mean and the importance wow. of setting up your house in a certain way. Like, and, I, and I took a lot of notes. And, and one of them was, um, dragons and red that's what really stood out so i don't remember all the details but from there on in i just kind of gravitated towards red okay that's interesting uh red has if you would have asked me a year ago or one and a half years ago i would probably also have said red because it was very dominant color throughout my life but now that the kids are growing up and i actually see you know how they change from what color they like and my son loved blue, everything had to be blue. Now it's yellow and red and he's only six. But when I think back to when I was smaller, I wanted my room to be yellow. So for me, yellow might have been like my favorite color until I was 10, 11. But more dominant memories are red for me. Okay. Uh, which is funny. But well, I like and, the and, and as you already know, I mean, I joke that you're my new best friend because we share so many things in common. I mean, it's ridiculous. I can't remember the last time I met somebody where, in, in like I said, just a few conversations, it was just like, oh, yeah, me too, me too, me too, me too. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, luckily we can do Zoom and WhatsApp and whatever not, LinkedIn, where we got connected. Uh, it would be cool to see how... how how we are handling it when we are in person, right? Um, <laughs> I know one thing we definitely don't really have in common, but that will come uh, as another question. So if you have, um, I also prepared you for the question of uh, a secret, something, you know, something not many people know about you. Could be like you chew your lips whenever you're thinking hard or something like that. Okay. Uh, well, so I think, I mean, one, one secret or something that, people don't realize is that, and this is something I used to brag about when I was younger, is that um, I'm the son of US chess champions. So both of my parents have been U the US chess champions, my mom twice and my dad once. And they're the only couple in the world that can say that they've both won the US chess championship. So that's a very, I mean, a lot of, when I was younger, I used to talk about this all the time. But now that I've stepped out of my parents' shadow to become my own person, I just mention it very infrequently. I mean, it's, if it comes up, I'll mention it. But other than that, um, I don't want to be that guy that just talks about my parents all the time. Uh, okay. I was just thinking of something else. You left a, a message this morning when you didn't reach me, uh, as it happens once in a while, right? And you were talking about, and actually we talked about it afterwards when we talked, about your love for um, the game with the stick and the many balls on the green table. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Uh, 
Yes, um, I'm an avid pool shark, or however you want to call it. It's a skill that I picked up in college because I was living in my parents' house, and the commute to get from my parents' house to college was like an hour and a half. It was like I'd ride my bike for 10 minutes, I'd get on a train, I'd get on another train, so it took at least an hour and a half to go one way, and most of the time my parents wouldn't give me the car because we only had one car. Yeah. Um, and so I had like these three hour breaks between classes in college. Instead of studying, I went to the games room and I practiced how to shoot pool. <laughs> and, uh, and before you know it, four years later, four years of a college education and a lot of hours spent in the games room, I became really good at pool. And now I have some of my best memories from my life that came around the pool table. So how did you learn pool? Just try and error or did you kind of have someone to look up to so or someone I, teaching you? Yeah, so I, I did, I did uh, a lot of trial and error and just practicing. I had a very close friend. His name is Dimitar Zlatev and he was my best friend in college and we were very competitive. So he's Bulgarian and... Um, I'm not saying that that means why he's more competitive, but he was always <laughs> overachiever. I mean, he could play the piano. He was great at like everything he did. So he did not want to lose. And so him and I started shooting pool and we were very, very close, like very close. He beat me, I beat him. But then one day I ordered a video. So I actually have it in my house. It's a video on like the secrets of pool or something like that. So there's like 12 experts that weigh in on how to be a great pool player. And one of these experts said, hey, it's not all about making the balls. Like sometimes you just have to think about, well, is there a defensive shot you could play where like if you don't have a shot, maybe you could do something to make it really hard on your opponent. And I remember this like yesterday, I watched this video. And then the next time we went, Dimitar and I went to play, he could not beat me. Like what used to be like a very evenly matched game, he could not win. And he got so frustrated and he started saying some less than nice things. But I said, hey, this is part of the game. And I turned into, like that was a radical shift. I turned into a defensive player because I was never really good at making all the shots, but I was really good at calculating how I could play defense. And this completely transformed my pool game and made me into a much better player. Now, having said that, I don't ever recommend you try and play defense when you're playing pool at a bar, unless you're strong, you can defend yourself if you get attacked. Basically, it's not a good way to win any brownie points. If you're playing in a bar, then just try to, try to make the balls. And, and uh, if you are gonna play defense, don't, don't make it overly obvious, because people get really upset. Yeah, I, I can see that in many sports or things, people don't like when one person is playing two defense too yeah. much. It, it can be also too passive. It seems to be too passive, I think, right? Mm -hmm. uh, which then can piss people off because you want to have a good game and it's not professional most of the time. It's for having fun, right? Yeah. Or to show off in front of others. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, exactly. So do you have any... Let's just go with the flow. Do you have any... Um, you said you have good memories from, from playing pool. Any yeah. particular one coming up, popping up? Yes, yes. I could, I could give you one, and that is when I took my first ever road trip with, uh, this is like, um, yeah, this must, have been, this must have been college or right after. 
I took a road trip with my friend. I lived in Boston at the time. We drove through Ohio, up to Toronto, up to Ottawa, and then back to Boston. When I was in Ottawa, I saw one of my childhood friends, his name is Hannes, and, and he had a friend who I think his name is Mark, if I remember correctly. Long story short, before we even came up, we were talking about Hannes was saying, well, I've got this friend Mark, he's awesome at pool. And my friend Donald was saying, well, I've got Alex, he's awesome at pool. So we went to shoot pool together at a bar and we played the two of us against other people. It was like basically one pool table in a big room. So it was like the main attraction. Everybody was drinking on the outside. There was one big pool table. And what happened that day is that um, so my new friend and I, Mark, we were very good. So we just kept winning, we kept winning. And then we, we started playing against a pair of people where we got to the point where, I mean, all of their balls were still on the table. It was my shot. And so what I had to do is I had to make the eight ball in order to win. And of course, when you play eight ball, you have to call your shots. You have to say exactly what's going to happen, which pocket it's going to go into. And so the only way that I saw myself making the eight ball was to say that the white ball is going to bounce off of three different rails. I basically pointed with my stick. I said, I'm going to shoot the white ball into this rail. Then it's going to go into this rail. Then it's going to go into this rail. Then it's going to hit the eight ball. And then the eight ball is going to go into the side pocket. And that's exactly what I did. And then I got a, like a standing ovation from everybody in the bar. And I didn't pay for a single drink the whole night. Like everybody was buying me drinks. And it was just awesome. Like even when I describe the story now, I still feel goosebumps of just how exciting it was. I mean, that was an unbelievable shot. I never made such an important shot in my life in terms of a pool game. And uh, yeah, so that, that lives forever in my memory. Uh, so do you have a pool at home? No, and I never will because I really like the camaraderie of meeting people. And I was just reflecting on this this morning where basically it's like I love the ability to walk into a bar Like I could be doing whatever, walking to a bar as a pool table. And I tell my friends, I was like, don't, like, don't let me go. Like, just keep me away from the pool table. Because as soon as I start playing, like, I'm not going to leave the pool table until I lose. And there's a good chance that I won't lose. And that's it. The night is over. I just stay at the pool table. So if they want to do something else, I tell them, don't let me get close to the pool table. Because I like going into a bar where, especially if it's like one pool table and there's people that are playing there like daily, they have their own pool cues, like, They're really good. Nobody beats them. I walk in, I beat them. And they're like, what the hell just happened? So, so it's a great way of making friends. It's a great way of making friends. Okay. Are you taking part in tournaments or is it just for this camaraderie and having fun? So after I graduated from college, I played in several leagues at the Boston Billiards Club. And I did play in, I did play not so many tournaments, but leagues. And of course they had like, um, at the end of the league, whoever has like more points, you win the money. So I, my friends and I have won leagues in both eight ball, nine ball. In order to practice, my friend and I would actually go to shoot snooker, which is like an English version of like this huge table with really tiny pockets. So long story short, we would go there for like an hour and a half right before coming in to play at the league because it just made like the regular tables like so much easier. It's like if you go for my gigantic table with small pockets where you have to be like exact to playing to a regular table with bigger pockets it just makes for great practice before the league and so that really helps oh yes snooker but snooker isn't that just 
two colored balls like all in exactly. red and yep. stuff like that yeah 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 so it's a different game but but it's harder because the the pocket sizes are very very small so you have to be very precise okay yeah i know back in switzerland we had um, this pool place i don't know 20 tables or something like that and we had i think two or three snooker tables yep exactly exactly i never played it, basically it's good practice so if you're playing at a real like eight ball or nine ball american size table it's a great way to improve your game if you first spend even like 30 minutes playing on a snooker table and then you jump into a like an american style regular one it just it just makes it much easier okay so i cannot help it <laughs> what are you i don't know three tips for improving your game besides pool game? Pool game? yeah just sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So three tips. So tip, uh, tip number one, I mean, it certainly wouldn't hurt if you watch some videos. Like I actually bought two books. This is kind of later. I mean, I practiced a lot, but I bought two books. So if you're serious, I highly recommend you watch some videos or buy some books. I mean, the people that took the time to publish the books, they know what they're talking about. And then after you do that, you really have to practice. I mean, there's no secret about it. You just have to practice, practice, practice. So First, learn from the best, which is typically videos or books, um, unless you have the luxury of having like a dad that's a pool shark. I mean, that, <laughs> that's nice too, but, but if you don't have that luxury, books or videos, and then practice. Well, and then again, the third thing, you can practice all you want, but, but there's a big difference between practicing by yourself or trying to do it when it matters most. Like if you get into a league and there's pressure and you have to win, I mean, those are different things. So, so for me, Uh, it actually really helped to drink a couple of Coronas, like <laughs> beer, like while I'm playing. So not a lot, but like one or two just to take the edge off. So this was very helpful to me. And I also played like in a bowling league and same deal. So like there was alcohol and it just really helped remove the stress. Like I'm not sure I really need it now, but at the time, it, it, so, so those, are, those are kind of the three things. I'd say learn, practice, and then get experience like in a league or something similar so you know what it's like to play under pressure yeah i was also thinking of play on a snooker table before that could be like another tip right sure sure um, that could be the fourth the fourth tip yeah or uh play a bit learn to play also defense <laughs> the fifth tip the fifth tip yeah so we can, we can write we can write a book we can co-author another book i'm 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 convinced that I'm going to write at least 40 books, at least 40. And, and so because I know the process of publishing books, I'm going to publish books on anything that people could possibly want to learn. Okay. But uh, let's go from the snooker then to the to other creative parts, um, because we'll take this uh, interview in two parts. As, uh, there's another live uh, Q&A I would like to participate later on. So now you opened uh, your book writing um, you're going to have a presentation about the steps to, to publish a book. Mm -hmm. So let's see, when I think of writing a book, I have to think people must be somewhat creative. Are you, do you consider yourself creative? And if so, what is your creative power? Sure. So I do consider myself creative, but I didn't realize this until I was in my thirties. I mean, basically I took one specific course on Udemy, which is an online learning platform. And the course was called Mind Mapping Mastery. And it was by Barry Mapp. 
whose last name is M-A-P-P, and I'm not making this up, but it was my favorite class by far. Because in my, like, I'd say in my mid-30s, I learned the skill of mind mapping, which is basically brainstorming. And I started applying it per what Barry was saying, how you practice. So I started with like pen and paper. Um, then eventually I switched to digital means. Then I found something on my phone. So I, I've tried both desktop, mobile, pen and paper. I still really like the pen and paper method. Um, but long story short, mind mapping is something, again, as with any skill, you have to learn from the best and you have to practice. So in my mind, Barry Map is the best. He's got 30 years into his career of learning and, and studying how people learn and brainstorm. And then I practice. So I spent, I don't know, the past like maybe seven years practicing this skill that I picked up when I was 35. And it's changed my life. I mean, I mind maps are now the start of if I'm going to be giving a presentation, if I'm going to be writing a book, if I'm going to be creating a course. I mean, I'm even creating my to-do list on my phone using mind mapping software because it's just so easy. Like, I'll just give you an example. Like the book, the book that I'm finishing up right now, I'm finishing up a book on kind of career advice for early career software engineers, how to accelerate not only getting into software engineering, but how to make the most out of their career. So I plan to have the book done like maybe in the next five or six days, so by June 1st. But uh, the mind map that I created for like my complete outline of like what is gonna go into the book, I'm not kidding when I tell you it took me 30 minutes. Like I just sat down on my couch, I took out my rocket book notebook, and I drew a multicolored mind map in about 30 minutes, which basically what this means is that by the time I was done, I had the outline with the chapters and key takeaways of like 15 chapters. So 30 minutes. And that's like, once you have that, everything else is like gravy. The rest of the process is really, really simple. You just kind of, you talk about what you want. And I mean, so the rest of the process is really nothing. The main thing is just coming up with the ideas. So, so I think mind maps are tremendous. This is something, again, I learned when I was in my 30s. So there's really no reason if you think that you're not a creative person, I see no reason as to why you shouldn't take Barry Maps class and just try it. Okay. Do you feel uh, confident enough also to teach mind maps to others? If you yes. were asked. I do. And I think I'll definitely, I mean, I'm not only my publishing books, but I'm also in the process of launching. I'm going to use the teachable platform. So I'm teachable. I'm going to put some courses around those things that I'm really passionate about and I'm constantly refining. So I'm a published author. But not only do I enjoy publishing the books, I really enjoy making my process as optimized as possible. So that's kind of the engineer in me. So it's really exciting doing both things. And, and of course, what I'm gonna do in the very near future is, is I'm gonna create, I already have a class on how you can publish a book, seven step process, but I'm gonna launch a membership site where I'm gonna constantly put out new material to make it better and better and better and of course, for people that really want to lose their money, or at least invest, they could pay me a lot more money to get one-on-one -on -one coaching. But that's, I mean, I would start with my books and courses, which are like, I mean, very, very cheap. So, but if you really want the dedicated help, um, I'm excited because I've been helping clients for like 15 years. Like in my day job, I'm a product owner. I develop software. I visit clients. So I know exactly how that works. And now I'm excited, again, for my for my side business to basically help people become published authors. 
Okay, so so your secret power is mind map. <laughs> yeah, to, yeah, I to think just, it really is. Yes. To yeah, to, to really put it in a nutshell. Yeah. <laughs> um when when I listen to you, I mean I tried mind maps for so many times and brainstorms and all these things. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, some people do meditation and the ideas just flow through them, right? Uh, if you're really good in calming down your brain. Um, what do you see as an obstacle or, or creativity killers then for other people? Because there's a really big mass of people when I talk to them, which claim I'm not creative in any way. And you just explain like, okay, mind mapping, it's creative because you're creating books in a matter of hours because you, you know how to use mind map and lay out the whole thing. And then the rest is just, you know, fit it up with the stories and your knowledge. So what is the, yeah, the creativity killers or the obstacles? Yes. So, or both? Yeah. so without a doubt, without a doubt, the creativity killer is stress. When you have too much stress, like that's it, that's it. So it's okay to have a little stress. Uh, it's kind of, they say it's kind of healthy. Like for example, you're about to get up on stage. Like even though I've been speaking for 13 years, I still get the butterflies and there's a little bit of kind of anxiety, but, but it's very little, I'm just very excited. Um, but yeah, so stress, if you don't find ways to reduce your stress, I mean, forget creativity. It's gonna have really bad effects in your life as a whole. And I know this because even in 2019, I was really struggling with life. Now we're in 2020, I've turned the corner with the help of some wonderful people that just kind of showed up out of the blue and, and really helped me. And um, yeah, so, so I'm really, I mean, I'm really excited now because I realized like, wait a second, to get rid of my stress, I'm just gonna focus on those things that bring me joy. So I've literally just, and this is part of the reason why I've been so productive in the past 45 days. Is I just like took out all the distractions and I've poured my heart and soul into doing those things that I believe are right and that I'm excited about. And um, I mean, I will say that the whole COVID-19 did help because I lost, I lost the need to drive to work. I realized, oh my God, this extra hour and a half that I'm losing in the car each day, I could be doing something else with it. And so that's been a tremendous help. I mean, I realized that working out of the house is really what I want to do because it allows me to spend more time with my family and it allows me to be more productive. And so again, so I've just really been focusing on eliminating stress. And again, for mind mapping, for example, like my favorite time to create a mind map would be I would go out to Starbucks, like maybe take a walk to Starbucks as part of my new workout routine where my personal trainer, Adrian Lee's got me walking like at least 10,000 steps a day. So I walk to Starbucks and then I'd grab my coffee. I'd grab a, pen and paper or my the app on my phone doesn't matter and I just create a mind map on whatever on whatever I'm kind of thinking about that day and that's it that, that I mean I love creating the mind map with my morning coffee in hand that's probably my favorite time to do it okay so you have tons of mind maps and there are you keeping them or only the good ones so I'm keeping all of my mind maps. I would be lying if I said I knew where they all are. <laughs> so, so I have bits and pieces. I do know at one point in time I created a folder. Because again, for the first like couple of years, I only used pen and paper. And um, I think now I've come full circle because I recently discovered what a rocket book is, which is basically a notebook where you can, where you can draw a pen and paper 
But when you're done, you just basically, you take a picture or it scans things with your phone and it uploads it to like Evernote or Google Drive or OneNote. You decide where it goes. It could send you emails, it could transcribe them. It's really awesome. So, um, so that's my new thing. I'm kind of back to using pen and paper, but it's through the rocket book. So that way I can get digital versions very easily as well. And I'm finally starting to use the multiple colors, which is what Barry Mapp was recommending. But at first that was too difficult. So at first, again, don't try and do everything at once. Just start with what you're comfortable with. And before you know it, this is actually the very same thing when it applies to public speaking. I mean, I now have a book on public speaking, but when I started, I mean, I just had to start somewhere because it was petrifying and I thought I was gonna die on stage. But you start somewhere and little by little, like the more advanced tips will actually make sense to you. But you can't just start with it day one. You have to start somewhere. And that's really the challenge, like knowing what do you start with, what do you add? And this is part of the reason I'm so excited about kind of launching my coaching business is to help people in those things that I've gone through the growing pain. So I know exactly what you need when, and then depending on you as the person, I can adjust in the fly. So that's really the fun of coaching people that every person is different and you have to be able to adjust. That's, uh, that's great. So, um, yeah, I, I can see. So COVID helped you like many people to realize one and a half hours travel can be used differently. Um, I'm for example, listening to tons of podcasts. That's also why I do a podcast. <laughs> I'm annoyed with, annoyed with YouTube because I just would like to have an audio version so I could turn off the screen. Right. Um, so I use less battery and I'm not having this feeling of looking on the screen while it's laying next to me in the car because I just want to have the audio content. I do agree many, many, um, documentaries or interviews, uh, get the plus effect when you can actually see the people talk or whatever it is, but I get a lot out of the audio. 10,000 steps. We heard that many, many times in the last years. So, so how comes that, uh, have you not been moving at all before the 10,000 steps? Well, I think before that I was doing very little, like I have a gold gym weight bench in my garage. I've got free weights. I've had bits and pieces where I tried working out. Like, I mean, the good news is that I always like enjoyed working out. I mean, when I was in high school, I was so skinny. I was 130 pounds. People always said, Hey, that's a skinny kid, skinny kid. When I got to college, I finally started going to the gym. So I got up to like 150. And I was like, maybe, I don't know, I think like six feet. So I mean, so I got up to 150 and I wasn't a toothpick anymore. I actually felt like, wow, when I played basketball, which is a sport that I played throughout high school and college, like once I bulked up to like 150, I actually felt so much better. Like people couldn't just push me around. I, I built a little bit of muscle mass and it was great. But then life happened and I never really injected working out into my routine. And um, I mean, I tried here and there. So when I found Adrian on LinkedIn as well, I mean, he pretty much had me at hello because I knew that I needed a, somebody that knew about like what I would need to do. Like I, I know my goals. So my goals are basically to develop like a six pack to get rid of any stomach <laughs> that I have and also to bulk up. I want to get to like 200 pounds, 200 pounds where I'm no longer the kid or the, or the man with the slender arms. I want to be, well, ripped might be an over, overkill, but I want to be uh, in much better shape. Like, I don't want to be seen as, uh, as weak. I want to feel strong. 
and at least from a physical sense. And so when Adrian said, yeah, I could give you like the 90 day plan for working out and the nutrition. So he's covering two huge areas of my life and he's got a Facebook group where I can get support from other people. So, I mean, like I said, his program is, is, is awesome. I love it. And um, I just really like working with him. So when did you start with that? So I started about a month ago. <laughs> wow, you really like the last 45 days. No, it's, it's I, I mean, until, until I literally paused, and because some people are posting on LinkedIn, it's like, hey, a lot of, lots of people are in crisis mode, but some people are leveraging opportunities. So some people say, hey, have you been in crisis mode or leveraging opportunities? So one day I just paused and I just kind of wrote down, here's like the eight things that have happened in the past like three weeks. And it's things like started working out, bought a house. I mean, how cool is that? I just bought a house two weeks ago. And so right now this is actually the first, I mean, not only is this my first podcast ever, so thank you Oliver for having me, but it's also the first one I'm doing in my new house. And I haven't even moved in yet. We're moving two days from now, but I already have my, I bought a new office set up. I'm very excited. And um, yeah, so those are basically two things, the working out, the house, I published my fifth book. I published my fifth book, which is basically my seven step process. So my seven step process for how you can become a published author is now available. Um, produce, publish, promote is not only the name of my book, but it's also the name of my brand new website. I paid a team to develop a website for me. So that's also in the past 30 days. And, and now I'm days away from publishing my sixth book. So I'm, yeah, a lot going on. Okay, so let's uh, make a break here and then we take it after the other live call I would like to join and um, I have notes so we know where we continue. Okay. Alex, for round two in a bit. Okay, cheers. Thank you. Thank you. Thank Bye. You. Welcome back. Uh, we had a few hours break now, a bit longer than we expected. The sun has set here in Denmark. It's still light outside at 10 in the evening. Alex looks dark as well, but that might just be my screen <laughs> in Texas. My lack of lights. It's my lack of lights. Three o'clock in the day here, and it's my lack of lights. Okay, so yeah, we have seven hours difference. We were talking just before about, and you, which listened to the episode, you will be completely into it. Uh, the last 45 days, you've been really productive. with work, starting working out 10,000 steps. You bought a house two weeks ago, or kind of opened the door two weeks ago you wrote you published your fifth book and you're on the brink of publishing your sixth book is there more you have been achieving well i've also hired a team of experts to really help me go online so i plan on putting courses online uh, i have some courses already but they're very they're very small and so i'm planning on launching uh, longer more detailed programs, which would also include coaching for people that really want the extra handle. But it's really going to help you to become a published author. That will be one of my signature programs, which I plan to launch probably in the next two weeks. So, I mean, it's a very aggressive schedule. Um, like I said, I've got some videos already and I'm really excited because I've been coaching people literally for like 15 years. I got really good at it through my day job as a software developer, product owner. Um, and now I'm just going to translate that into extra income and it's really exciting because i want to be able to go on vacations with my family and not think about <laughs> how much money we need to budget or any of that stuff 
Yeah, and while you're on vacation, you can have like a half an hour coaching call, which you get paid for, or an hour, whatever. So, yeah, so that's actually pretty exciting. Um, I always enjoyed when you're walking around Texas, and I can see where you are because I've not never, I've been in Boston shortly and uh, Rhode Island. That's my U.S. trip. Oh, sorry, Northern. I've been in Yukon and Saskatchewan, so I was very shortly there and a bit of us there so how are i mean let's go into your seventh step of publishing a book because that's also what you want to talk about uh, in a few days after this goes live and you want to get your signature program up and running so let's let's get the people ready to listen into it yes and as you mentioned the the whole kind of premise for us jumping on this podcast you mentioned that you were going to uh, you'd like to interview me, and uh, we've been talking a lot, but the reason we actually decided to do this today is because I mentioned to you that I've been selected to speak at an upcoming conference for podcasters. And it's really exciting to me because for me, this is the first time I'll be delivering a speaking session that on something that has nothing to do with my day job. I mean, I've been lucky enough that I've spoken for the past 13 years on many different stages, but it's always been around software. Uh, and this is going to be dedicated to me and to all the people that want to learn from me. In essence, it's my seven step process for how anybody can become a published author. And again, I've got a day job. I've got a wife. I've got two kids. In my mind, you can do this in about 10 hours. I mean, I know that's a little excessive, but honestly, that if I had to add up all the hours that it takes me, 10 to 20 hours tops. And of course, you break that up over 30 days, I mean, that's just like one or two hours a day. Um, and again, you can cut corners. If you really just want to get a book out there, you can cut corners. I'm not really recommending it, but let me quickly take you through my seven-step process. Okay. We already discussed... We already discussed step one, which is really brainstorming. And I'm a huge fan of mind mapping. So it doesn't really matter how you do it. But in my case, I've been working on mind mapping for five years, five or six years. And the better I get, the quicker I get at it. So as I mentioned, for my sixth book, which is the one about career advice for younger engineers, I'm like five days away from, I'm literally probably on step six of my process, which you'll see in a second. Uh, But in essence, my first step of brainstorming took me 30 minutes. I mean, so that's a really challenging step of brainstorming, in essence, your outline for your book. That only took me 30 minutes. That's because I've had years of practice. So maybe the first time it takes you a little longer. But the idea is you first come up with a topic you like. And uh, don't ask me which topic is going to make you the most money. That is not what I recommend you do for your first book. I recommend you just focus on something you like and uh, pick that as your starting point. And um, so that's basically step number one. You have to figure out your topic and create a mind map or an outline, whichever one you prefer, but that's, that's step number one. Um, okay, and then, step two. <laughs> step two, so this is really the critical piece. This is the critical piece right here. So step two, you could go one of two ways. You could either launch into writing. If you really like to write, you could write, write, and write. And if you write, then you can, condense, you can condense my step two and three into one, but I'm not a writer, I'm a speaker. So for me, I've got a different set of steps to make up for the fact that I don't want to spend hours writing. 
So to get around the fact that I don't like to spend hours writing, I create videos. And what I used to do is I used to create short courses for Udemy where I would get in front of my desktop and I did buy Camtasia Studio, which is a full-blown editing and video recording software where if you're a Udemy instructor, you could get a coupon code. So instead of paying $300, you pay $150. Um, and that's nice. Uh, I mean, in my mind, if you're going to create videos, you, you should invest in Camtasia Studio. Um, but, but you don't, again, you don't need to do that. So in my case, I was basically first creating videos from my mind map and turning them into a course. So again, I like having multiple streams of income. So in my situation, I like creating videos. I've been comfortable creating videos. If you've never done it, you should start trying to create videos. Even if they're not going to be your course material, just start creating videos before you know you'll get more comfortable. And so anyways, in my case, I would do a course first and then I'd upload that to Udemy, make it into a class and sell it. Um, but in this case, so the book that I'm writing right now, which is my uh, a book about career advice, this is the first time where I decided, you know what, I'm not going to use the videos for a Udemy class. Instead, I'm going to use them when I launch my membership site on Teachable. So I created the videos using my cell phone, which was much easier. I finally splurged and got myself a current version of an Android as opposed to using the one that was like five years old. But it really doesn't matter. I mean, to record video on your phone, especially if what you're trying to do is use the audio, I mean, it doesn't really matter what you have. I'm sure it'll work. And um, so I basically record videos. And one of the tips that I learned just now, like literally in the past three weeks, is that I'd reach out to people on LinkedIn who uh, were early career engineers or maybe just still uh, sneers in college. And I asked them like point blank, I was like, hey, I see that you're signed up to a webinar that I was giving, I was giving last week through my day job. And I asked them, hey, do you have any questions that you wanna ask me ahead of time? So I mentioned the fact that I was writing a book and this actually helped in addition to my mind map I was able to ask my real potential clients, like the people for whom I'm writing the book for. I mean, there's nothing better than that. Find your potential client and just ask him, hey, what do you wanna know? I mean, it really, you don't wanna make up things. You wanna solve real problems that people are having. So that's really been key to my career and life is to try and solve real problems as opposed to just making stuff up. Uh, anyway, so I create videos. For now, I've been posting them to LinkedIn but you can post them to YouTube. You could not even post them, you just put them on your computer. But, so for me, that was step two. So I record videos and then step three, again, what I'd done in the past is I would have stripped the audio from my video. So I'd end up with a whole bunch of MP3 files and then I would hire somebody on Fiverr. So Fiverr is an awesome, awesome site spelled like the number five followed by two R's. And you can basically fire consultants for a fraction of the cost as to what it would cost you if you just went to like a full-blown, I don't know, let's say transcription service. Um, so I hired, so Fiona is actually the lady that's been transcribing my books for me. And I really like her work. So again, depending on how much audio you have, it's going to cost you more. So if you've got like maybe 30 minutes of audio, it could run close to maybe a hundred dollars. But again, it, it's, it's maybe it's $60. I don't remember exactly, but... Uh, what I will say is that, so 
step three for me was basically transcribing my audio. But for this book, the one in my career, I did something different again. Uh, <laughs> a tip from Francisco, who's somebody else that I met on LinkedIn. Again, as you can tell, in the past 45 days, I've met so many wonderful people. Some I'm actually paying the money to help me. Others are doing it out of the kindness of their heart. So um, Francisco told me that he himself is a speaker. So I bought his book. I've yet to read it because I'm too busy writing mine. Um, but he told me that he uses a program called Veed.io. So it's V as in Victor, E-E-D as in David, and then dot I-O. What this program does is you can upload a video and not only does it have a good transcription service, but very quickly it can add subtitles to your video. So you can style it the way you want and then click the download button to get back your video with subtitles. And then that's what you would upload to LinkedIn or, or, or um, YouTube. But that's not what I'm using it for. So right now my focus is the books. So basically I uploaded all my videos and I transcribed them myself because I paid for the yearly subscription. So again, if you pay somebody on Fiverr, that's like maybe $100 per book. Vid.io, you could pay $200 a year. And you can do this with as many videos as you want. So in my case, that's a no-brainer no because I'm going to be posting a lot more videos to LinkedIn. Not all of my videos are going to be from books. And having subtitles is really important. So, um, so anyway, so step number three for me was to upload the videos and download the transcription meaning that download the text. And this was relatively time consuming. So it probably took me about three hours. Um, I think I ended up with, uh, I think I ended up with 5,000 words, which is really not enough for my book. I want at least 10,000, um, but that's just my personal thing. And I'll explain why that matters. But it, there is really no limit. You're okay if you just got 5,000 words in your book, that's about 50 pages, that's okay. There's no, uh, I mean, Amazon would allow you to publish a book that's, there's no set length. You can make them as short or as long as you want. And uh, so once I have my text, that's step three, then steps four, five, and six, you could, well, I should say step four and six, you could launch in parallel. Um, so step four for me is I basically, I basically take the subject of my book and I pay somebody again on Fiverr to come up with a catchy title. So instead of me just coming up with a boring title, I pay somebody that catches up with a catchy title for my book. And we've been working together for a while. Um, and so he gives me like six titles and subtitles back and lets me kind of look at it. If I'm having a hard time, he helps me choose. So I think we've done a couple of books and I'm really happy with his work. So. Um, and basically, so I get a catchy title around the topic that my book is on. And then as soon as I have the title, I hire a graphics designer again on Fiverr to give me the cover for the book. Now I cannot stress how critical this is. Uh, Nobody is going to even pick up your book if you try to create the cover yourself and you're not a graphics designer. Amazon will allow you to go through a wizard to create your book cover. I tried it. It looked horrible. And I did it only because I wanted to make sure that I got my book published. And then knowing that I had bad cover, that kind of made me get on the ball as far as hiring somebody to do, to do it correctly. Um, 
So, so that's basically, so steps four and five are basically get the title, get the cover. And then step six, which again, you can kind of swap in for step four because it's kind of interchangeable. So in parallel to giving somebody the, um, the homework assignment to give you a title, what you should be doing, you should, you should be taking your transcription. So kind of put together all your videos into one document. And again, you don't really need Word. So if you don't have Word, that's okay. What you need is a tool called Scrivener. So Scrivener is, is critical in this whole process. This is a tool that you can buy for $49, lifetime access. I mean, you're gonna make up your money in one book alone because Scrivener allows you to import text, images, you name it. And it's basically a tool for writers. It's a tool for writers. And the reason I bought it is because it has an option where you can not only import a document, but you can export a document. And that's really the most critical reason why you need Scrivener is to be able to give you back a perfectly formatted Kindle book and a perfectly formatted print book, which are two totally different formats, but Scrivener can just pump out your manuscript in two different formats and it's, it's crucial. So the step that I kind of sometimes I do, sometimes I don't is I try and hire somebody to proofread my manuscript. So right now for this particular book, uh, the career one, I did hire somebody to proofread it because uh, I liked the conversation we had and I figured, okay, well, I, I want to be responsible to at least get one other person to proofread what I have and help them with that. But it's really up to you. So uh, luckily for me, I don't really have any issues with grammar. English is my second language. So I, I mean, I learned it in school, so I don't have problems with spelling or grammar for the most part. Uh, but I did find one tool that's been very helpful. The tool is called Pro Writing Aid. I literally bought it on a whim. So there's a writer. Her name is Joanna Penn. I think he, she goes by the Creative Pen. That's her website. She doesn't know who I am, but I found her on LinkedIn. And I really liked where she's at in that she's already got like 30 or 40 books. And she's helping other authors such as myself learn the tricks of the trade. So she sent, I subscribed to her email list. I got an email saying, hey, you ever struggle with editing your book? Here's this program. I looked at it, I saw it was like $50 and I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I bought it like on the spot and I used it to publish my previous book. So like literally, I mean, my book came out May 1st. I think I bought the program like on, on April 23rd. So I only had like one week, I used it right away. It gives you a chance to check your grammar and you can even set what genre you're writing in. So for example, if you're just, if you're creating a textbook or something general or romance or whatever, it gives you like 15 choices. And then based on that choice, it gives you different suggestions for grammar. So it's really, I mean, again, as you can see, there's tools for just about everything. You have to keep in mind where your budget is. So I would say, I mean, Scrivener, you absolutely have to buy. Um, everything else like mind mapping, you can do for free. You certainly don't need Camtasia. You can just use your phone. And, um, and again, the VDIO, you don't need that either, really. Well, so it's like, do you either, do you think you're only going to publish one book, then you might want to pay somebody on Fiverr to do the transcription. But if you think you'll do two or three, then I would splurge and get the VDIO or find out, I'm sure there's free apps out there or something out there that can, that can transcribe what you end up with. Um, well, so anyway, so, so my sixth step is to basically to clean up this manuscript 
and then up to you whether or not you want to do your own grammar checking or get somebody to proofread it for you. But then what you do is you compile. You use Scrivener to compile the book. What that basically means is you hit a button and out of the Scrivener tool, you get a perfectly formatted Kindle book or a perfectly formatted book for print, which is basically a PDF. And um, so really Scrivener, it's a very powerful tool. I've spent many hours learning it. So in my more advanced class that I'm gonna publish, that's gonna include a lot more details about how exactly to use the tool, what aspects of it you need to use. So you don't need to know the whole tool, but I'll cover exactly what you need to know to get your book out successfully. And, um, and last but not least, once you have your Kindle and PDF file, all you have to do is just log on to Amazon. They have a website, KDP, so it's Kindle Direct Publishing, and you upload your books, set a price, and you're done. Then you're just off marketing and telling everybody that you're a published author, and it's a lot of fun. Okay, the, the last one was step number seven, I guess, exactly. to log on on Kindle. Um, it's basically to upload. Step seven is to upload your books to Amazon. Do you have any printed versions as well? Yes. I mean, we talked about the PDF, etc. Uh, yeah, yeah. So what's upload, that step? Yeah, so you upload the PDF, but what Amazon does is it does printing on demand. So when somebody buys your book, and it will tell you, Amazon will tell you, when you are pricing your book, it will tell you exactly how much it's going to cost to print your book. So for example, my book that I published on this very topic in May, so my May 1st book, right now it's kind of like my signature book. It's definitely my best book to date. It's the one where I'm documenting this whole process. It's my first book that is in color. So it's my first <laughs> book that's in color, that includes screenshots, and it's documenting this whole seven step process. And so because it's in color, my printing cost is actually $7, it's $7. So I'm pressing the book at 19.99, so that way there's at least a little bit of profit to be made. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so I think just depending how much your book costs to print, it's really up to you and what you price it. That kind of gets more into how do you market and sell the book, which is a separate topic. I'm more focused on content creation because I have a lot of people that are basically buying my books as soon as they know. So I have a lot of fans. Like when fans, my fans know that I've got a book coming out, they'll just buy it just because they like me and they like learning from me. So the marketing piece is just, this is one of those things like I've already developed a really strong network through all the years of my day job and speaking at conferences. So I don't have the same problem that somebody else might have who's just starting to become a published author and doesn't have any network. I would just say, start using LinkedIn sooner rather than later. That's a great place to be. Okay. Um... <laughs> uh, I had a lot of questions during your talk, which I now forgot because I didn't want to interrupt as usual. So, but that's, uh, if, if we go fast through the seven steps, just to make sure that I understand it right, it's mind map or um, putting out the skeleton, whatever yep. you, you want to do it. Then um, either you write, 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 or you... Uh, in your case, you take a video, but you could also just take an audio, right? So you exactly. could uh, register it. That's where um, I thought of Dragon, the software Dragon, yes. if you heard about that one. I actually have an older version of my computer 
and I probably, except the reason why I do videos is because I really like creating video courses. Like I, on my day job, when I was a product owner of a software package, I created about 400 video tutorials. So this is like before I started doing any of the stuff on Udemy or publishing books, I had already created 400 video tutorials over about seven years. So that's why doing these videos is so easy for me is I've done so many of them in my day job. Uh, so yeah, just, but basically there are three ways, right, right, right. Tape yourself uh, in an audio format or, or take the video. Um, then of course, if you don't do the video, you will not have to have you know, the subtitles, etc. but you will still have someone to transcript. Yeah. Or do it yourself using VDIO. Yeah. VDIO or then Dragon if you have the audio alone. Sure. Sure. I mean, I tried on, <laughs> um, well, I just finished this one and then I take what I wanted to say. And then you have a step four and six um, could be parallel because you get so, you you pay again someone to get a catchy title because you're not good in. I mean, someone can do it by itself if they have some good ideas, right? Or yeah. you get someone else which has better ideas. And um, yeah, parallel to that, you could take your transcription and clean it up and compile it in Scrivener. And then, of course, when you have the title, you get a graphic designer to to get the whole thing. And you, you use five fiber for most of it. Yep. Um, cool. I, I have heard of it a few times, but I haven't really used it. And yeah, when you have all compiled and proofread, if you have someone, which you do this time. Mm -hmm. So for five books, you didn't have a proofreader. It was just you going through. Uh, no, no, I, I tried. So I think for five, so, um, I actually, it's funny. So for my, for my fifth book, my best book yet, uh, the person that's going that I already paid to proofread my sixth book, she proofread my fifth book for free. So we had a good conversation. She did it for free and I have her word document on my computer. What I haven't done is I haven't gone in and basically read cause I need to get it back. I need to get it back into Scrivener huh. and recompile and re-upload it. So I've just been so busy with everything I've going on in my life. I, I told myself, okay, I'm definitely going to do that. Or I'm now thinking I'm going to get my son to do that. Cause my son yesterday created basically the, the, he put the transcript into a single file for me, which was very helpful. So my son, Nikolai, um, he's 10 and he's basically my biggest helper right now. So he's helping me do everything. And I told him the importance of working as a team. Like you do the things you can do and I'll do the things I can do. And then we as a family will become richer faster. So that's the plan. That's the plan. Oh, I think it's a nice way of teaching your son to help if he can, instead of saying, no, 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 you're too young. Exactly. You cannot do that. Exactly. That's important. Just a general parenting tip. Get your kids involved. I mean, like, I mean, my kids are, well, every, every parent says this, but my kids are brilliant. It's like, they come up with ideas that I was like, Oh, I didn't think about that. So I already told him, I was like, Hey, I need to post a lot to LinkedIn. So just like think of things that I do in my life that like we can post like pictures, videos, you name it. So they're coming up with all these ideas. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And to, so we come to step number seven, which will then be the lock, uh, the upload onto Amazon in that case. Uh, what I wanted to say, which of course, um, <laughs> 
I forgot now. See, I should uh, just say it when it comes into my head. Well, ah, yes, exactly you? what it was. It was when I did my master thesis. Um, I have also a problem just sitting down and write. And for my master thesis, it was even worse. I, I did business engineering in a, a technology-based business development. And so I had to go to a company and analyze them and ask questions and see the process and come up with ideas and do radical innovation stuff. Now, they didn't give me a fixed spot. So I was working from home most of the time. My kids back then, they were, what were they, four years and two years of age. So they didn't really give a lot of constructive feedback for my work. My wife was, uh, as a team lead, newly team lead, uh, busy, busy, busy herself. And my supervisor was far away. So I was basically sitting in front of the computer, reading all day, typing, and I'm more the audio guy. <laughs> so I, I appreciate all the podcasting and all that stuff and talking to people. And so I used um, the iOS version. I think I used it on the iPhone and on the Mac. And I tried to use the word transcription. It was terrible. I mean, I was talking into the computer or, or the Mac or the phone. And what I got out was taking me more time to think, what did I actually say? <laughs> because it simply did not work. But that's also four years ago. And um, I heard of Dragon, but they didn't give you like a 10 days or 30 days trial. And I was like, ah, if that's the only thing I use it, I don't want to spend whatever it is, 150 or $200 or whatever it was just for my master thesis. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. I think, well, so in my own personal experience, I like the route of using Fiverr because if it's your first time through, I would say just use Fiverr. And again, if you go with Fiona, who basically <laughs> knows exactly the process. So like the people that I use on Fiverr, I see no reason whatsoever as to why you shouldn't use the same people. Because it, like in my course, I teach you about how I go about finding people in case they're no longer available. But really, if I've already gone through the vetting process, found people that I'm working with, and I'm telling you exactly who they are, like, why not work with them? So it's just, um, I, I would say for the transcription, maybe the first time through, if you're doing a published book for the first time, you do the, you pay somebody. One of the nice things about paying somebody is that when you're gonna import your file into Scrivener, you can basically, you can tell them, hey, Divide, divide each chapter with these pound pound signs. So you basically put some delimiters between, like, so anything that's a heading, put them in between, like, these pound pound signs. And then there's a function in Scrivener where you can just click import, import one document, and it'll break it out for you for like the 20 chapters as long as you have those delimiters. So that's really a huge time saver. So it's kind of like, um, again, in my current case, since I did the transcription myself, of like the 20 different videos, I ended up with 20 different text files. So that's why I was very helpful to tell my son, hey, here, copy these, copy and paste into one document and save it like that. So um, again, it's different things. I'm just excited because like I said, I create a lot of video and I go, I take the audio from, from the video um, and I transcribe it now using Vite.io. So I, I think that's good. Yep. But this is of course, um... I can see I've interviewed uh, Alf also. I don't know if he has published more books, but I think it was the first book, to be honest. And I see him posting like quotes from his book on LinkedIn. And when I see you talk, basically <laughs> you have already the videos from your book before you have the book. 
Exactly. So, exactly. so, exactly. so you can upload the videos on LinkedIn or wherever, TikTok, Facebook, wherever yeah. you want to do that on your own web page. Exactly. Um, so people can listen to it. Now, if you're that good in audio, you basically already have an audiobook available as well. That's a good point. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think the thing for me is that once I get the video, the audio, I get it all into the book, I end up editing it. So it's not like it's not perfect the first time. So like what, okay. what invariably happens is I get a draft, like even it's happening right now. Like I just did the transcription. I realized I have 5,000 words, but I want 10,000 words. So what this means is I'm going to go back and do more videos or because I don't want to go through this pain again, I will write. So it's not like I can't write. I've been blogging for like 10 years. I just don't, I mean, I've been blogging for my day job. And so, so there is basically the problem with the audio files is that they won't be exactly the same. So I can't, but I will say that I'm definitely going to record my own voice and upload it to Audible. Because in the past, I actually did work with another person who did the voiceover for me. So like when you're using Audible, if you want an audiobook, you can actually kind of, you could say, okay, here's my project. And you have people bid on working with you. So that way you don't need to pay anything as the author, but you do need to split your royalties with whoever's gonna do the voice for you. Um, and, and I realize now that really, I want to do my own voice because I, I listened to, I listened to crush it by Gary Vanderchuk. And I really loved the book. Many instances in the book, in the audio book, he was like, you know, I'm going to go off the script here and just talk. So whatever comes to his mind and he gets back to the book. So I, I think that makes the audio book a bit more special because it doesn't include just the written text. It includes his own perspectives. And I'm the type of person that goes off on tangents all the time. So I think, uh, recording my own audiobook is definitely something I'm going to do. But again, I've only got so much energy, so much time. I'm focusing on those things that I believe I need to do first. Okay. Now that was definitely a book tip. And uh, I've heard Crush It at least once, if not twice in my podcast as a tip. And you, you mentioned that the audiobook has extra <laughs> uh, directed cut information or whatever you want to call exactly, it exactly. in the audiobook. So perhaps I will uh, check into getting the audiobook if if I have time because of all the other um, podcasts I listen uh, with a lot of good information. So yeah, and I, I actually also appreciate uh, authors which are uh, ty- yeah recording their own voice for the audiobooks. It just gives something else. I I, I don't know. I mean, there's definitely a lot of good voiceovers. Definitely which make their money with it. They have the right voice and, uh, and the right speed and all, all the feeling in it you need, right? Depending if it's a ch- children's book or <laughs> a nonfiction or whatever it is, like some vampire movies. Uh, thinking of one of the last podcasts I had a week ago where she loves all the vampire stuff, <laughs> sorry. Um, but then, of course, there's also authors which are not good in... in, in um, in the audio file, but I guess if you if you read it yourself, you have written the book, you went through the ideas. It must be, I don't know. Just... Yeah, well, and I, I mean, since you mentioned it, I mean, I'm actually thinking now. Okay, so the fact that I overcame my fear of public speaking again, it's all part of the bigger picture. Like once I overcame my fear of public speaking, 
and I had some coaches along the way that basically said, hey, Alex, when you get up on stage, make sure you don't get up, go up there and just monotone the whole way through. Make sure you're like punching these words, like every 10th word, it's almost like you're yelling. And what the coach told me is like, hey, next time you're reading to your kids, do the same thing and just watch how much more engagement they'll have with your story. And it's amazing. I tried it and it worked. Like my kids were, I mean, they were just like three or four years old at the time. But I remember reading them books using the same tips in my coaching my speaking coach gave me and I was like wow this is amazing like they were like really interested so again it just goes to show that when you're reading anything you want to kind of fluctuate your voice it just makes it much more engaging ah fluctuating yeah. so I should be also a bit different <laughs> okay <laughs> I'm not gonna, gonna be weirdo um super let's um close it down because oh, it's almost dark now here yeah. <laughs> uh, that's a problem living in Denmark in the summer you just simply don't know when it's bedtime because there's light on the other hand in winter you want to go to bed at four o'clock <laughs> because the sun sets that early um, do you have any advices you you got many years ago and you simply didn't take it it came back and back and you just said like I don't want to do that until you actually took it and said ah oh, I should have listened. Do you have any of those? Or do you have just an advice which you really think good generally and you want to give on to the audience? Well, I would just, I'm not sure, I'm not sure if somebody told me and I wouldn't listen, but it was more like, I mean, in retrospect, I would say that I wished I had started reading earlier. I mean, I didn't really start reading until I was like 27. I mean, uh, 27 maybe even 28. It's really, it's really when I met my wife. That's when I started reading. I realized that there's more to life than going out on the weekends. And um, yeah, so I really wish that I started reading earlier because in essence, that's really what sparked the beginning of the rise in my self-confidence. Like I, I went from reading almost nothing to reading, I mean, a lot. We're talking like going into the library, picking out like 10 books, coming back three weeks later, three weeks later and doing 10 more. This is before I had kids. I mean, I went through, I mean, probably 200 self-help books that I read on everything from finances, time management, everything to do with productivity. It just really interested me. And um, yeah, so I really wish I started reading sooner because if you're reading a book, chances are whoever wrote it has some experience in that topic with reviews on Amazon, you could easily check out like what the best selling books are. I mean, people are different. So this is why I'm excited to be a published author and kind of a coach slash course creator is that like even this seven step process for publishing books, I mean, it's different. I've got somebody in my network who has a different process. He recommends you set aside a few hours a day to write. And uh, that's not my process. The reason I love my process is that I'm very busy. I mean, I could have like five minutes a day, but even if you spend five minutes a day recording a little video or audio file, like in a month, you'll have a, enough for your book. I mean, so that's amazing. So it's really, yeah, you can do that as a busy, busy professional. Yeah, that just brings me back to, uh, now for more than a week. I'm behind my daily video, I promised on LinkedIn. <laughs> but, uh, after a week, I told myself I'm not doing it on weekends because I didn't want to press it too hard. I have one or two topics I wanted to talk to, but today the whole thing 
just went upside down. We talked and then uh, we agreed on the podcast. Another friend called me when I wanted to do something else and my wife pushed me and there was this sudden uh, class to be in the, you know, uh, Q&A, you know, uh, from the course I'm in, which you can only do the first time the course is, right? Afterwards, it's just, you can watch what others ask. So the whole thing is different. Um, But I was actually also thinking, like, if I have good ideas to come up with and post them on LinkedIn, these are like three to 10 minutes. You're not allowed to have more than 10 minutes on LinkedIn. But that definitely can if you have a structure there, you, you basically have a book afterwards. Yeah, well, and I would highly recommend you keep LinkedIn videos to under three minutes. I mean, like, there are some exceptions, but I mean, I really like the ones that are like a minute in length, but, but again, it's really <laughs> up to you. And I mean, like I said, I, I had a video like literally this week where I ended up recording a, an answer to a question. Somebody asked me, well, what do you do when you find somebody that, on your day job where you, he, he or she disagrees with you. Like, what do you do to get around people that just don't agree with you? And it's a problem because you're working with them. Like, what are you supposed to do? And this is a great question. I literally went off for almost seven minutes reflecting on some really difficult times in my life where, I mean, it was, um, I mean, the short 30 second versions, I, I was so excited about the software my team had been developing. I convinced my wife to move from Boston to California for my dream job to, I was going to be the team lead and everybody was going to use my software. And then one month into my dream job, I found out that there's some guy in Texas who's already doing the type of work that I'm doing. And he basically came in and just took away my team, took away my budget and said, we don't need your programs. We'll just do things the way we've been doing them the whole time. And I was just like, totally, I was like, what? I said, well, wait a second. Don't you want to see what I have? I sent him like all the information. He didn't want to see what I had. He just wanted to say, nope, you're going to do things the way I tell you because that's what the director wants me to do. And so it, it was very, very stressful. So that was my first big like, no. And I was just like, what? And because it was, it was, it was very, very stressful. But, but, but I found a way around it. And um, yeah, and now I'm in Texas and all these details are going straight into my career book that's going to be released in about a week. <laughs> yeah, so we, we definitely have to put some links uh, for everyone. But uh, I have the feeling, so you said you, you, you got 10 books and then after three weeks you went back for another 10 books and you, you didn't read until you were 27, 28. How, how, how did you consume that much? Do you, did you spend 10 hours a day or did you learn to no, speak? No, no. I, I mean, I, I worked. I worked. Um, I mean, I just got married. And so, uh, I mean, my wife would maybe be cooking something I'd be reading or like when I was, um, when I was driving. So I had like a, maybe like a 45-minute drive. So I was listen, listening to the books on CD in the ah. car. So that's like an hour and a half each day. And then on top of that, just reading books. Um, so it was a mix between books on CD, which I did a lot. So as you can imagine, an hour and a half each day, multiply by like five days. I mean, that's like, uh, that's what, like 12 and a half hours per week. I mean, you can consume a fair number. I mean, maybe, maybe it wasn't 10 books every time, but there was, I mean, some of the books are short. I mean, some of the books are like maybe 50 pages long. So it's not like I was reading these gigantic <laughs> monsters. 
Um, the Tim Ferriss style. <laughs> yeah, but I, what I did do is, so I, at the time I was reading a blog, it was called The Simple Dollar. So The Simple Dollar by Trent Ham. Uh, I mean, the premise of his blog is to basically explain finances to everyday people. But what he did is that once a week, he would put out a book review of the book he read. And so I literally read like every single book he was recommending for like a period of like two years, more or less. So it was things like your money or your life, where you get a chance to figure out exactly how much money you are worth per hour. And then it puts it into a perspective where you're like haggling over like $5 and you spend like two hours haggling over $5. It makes no sense. I mean, so basically, uh, yeah. So there are times where it's, it's, and again, Fiverr is a perfect example. There's times it's better to just pay somebody to do this for you. Like I'm very excited that over this um, 45 days, I hired somebody to create my website. So the name of my fifth book in my website is exactly the same. It's produce publish promote.com and so um yeah it's just such a huge difference to have professionals that are doing stuff for you that's well worth the investment financially and um i'm just excited because this produce publish promote website originally was going to be a website to highlight the release of my book but then they did such an awesome job that i was like wait a second i don't need another website this is my website and uh, since that's going to be one of my signature offerings it's going to work out really well Awesome, but still, do are you able to read fast or? Um... Yes, I think I'm able to read fast. I think I'm able to read fast, and again, it just comes with practice. Um, is that likewise, because you're a software? Is that because you're a software engineer? No, I mean, no, you have to go I, through I code and all that stuff. I don't think I don't know. I don't know. I don't think as I mean, I don't know. I mean, I have read a lot of stuff like as part of my day job, but I have no idea if that has any. Again, it might also get back to the fact that my parents are chess players, so my memory and the ability to recall things is really, really good. Like I can recall stuff just like happened like 25 years ago. I could recall exactly where I was. I could picture it. I could see exactly where I was. So, like the figure on the chess board. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it, I was just thinking that was funny. You know, at your age you started, but then on the other hand, you're a coder, so you have all this text uh, as a right and uh, you read blogs and you were writing blogs for the company yeah i think the main thing is really that i'd say even if you're not a reader like audio like audible is like very i mean you could turn on audible on your phone in your car like basically a lot of people just listen to music and so if you cut away the music while you're in your car in favor of a book i mean you don't need to go through like I mean, hell, if you take me on as a coach, I could condense down all of the information for you, I mean, depending on what you need. So it's like reading books is an inexpensive way, like especially going to the library. There's no need to buy all these books. Just go to the library, see what the new releases are. It's just a great inexpensive way of not only learning things, but it really helped jumpstart uh, the rise of my self-confidence. I mean, again, meeting my wife, that was huge. Um, and then reading books and then before you know it again some more training like I had professional speaking coaches I had Dale Carnegie training seminars so I mean I, I learned from a lot of people and, and the more you learn and the more you practice the more confident you become and certainly um, yeah I mean certainly getting up on stage and getting over that hurdle really kind of cleared the way for me to be able to uh, enjoy enjoy no longer being shy so yeah but i guess we take that in another interview
yeah, now that we talk so much, uh, especially about how to become a speaker and uh, how was that path? Because I'm interested, but I don't want to make this a too long episode. Um, we are about one and a half hours in, I guess, uh, because it's two episodes. Yeah, so we have your advice and you also put up some, <laughs> yeah, you put more advices actually in the end. Do you have any call for action for the for our listeners? That's for creativity or writing a book or something. Well, I would I would highly recommend that you take the mind mapping mastery course by Barry Map on Udemy. I mean, that's just it, it's it's had such a profound effect on my life. I mean, I can't even I can't even say enough good things about it. So, um, and then of course, if you want to check out any of what I talked about. Again, my brand new website, which is Produce, Publish, Promote, has links to all of my courses and all of my books. So I think right now I'm up to six courses and five books. And so keep an eye out in the very near future, I'm going to launch a program on Teachable where it's going to be a lot more detailed than the current course that I have or the book for that matter on how you can become a published author. So that, that's going to be my, my next big I mean, I'm going to keep publishing the books because I, I love getting my ideas out and I love refining my process. I'm just going to add this extra layer of offering my coaching services. So that's going to be something new for me. I've been coaching clients for many years, but it's going to be exciting for me to help people in something that I'm very passionate about, which is publishing books. So I'm going to keep doing that. Yeah, because the coaching was from your day job. Yes. Yeah. Um, do you have any books or other things you want to link people towards besides what you mentioned already? Well, I would just mention that depending on how quickly you get this podcast up, that on, on <laughs> Saturday, May 30th, I will be speaking at a conference that's free and it's virtual. So um, there, we I put think a link. That, we'll, yeah. we'll put a link to that one because yeah, uh, that would be, that would be useful. I mean, like I said, this is my first time speaking on a subject outside of my day job. So it's very exciting for me. And um, it would be great to have people tune in and then maybe connect with me on LinkedIn afterwards and say, hey, this is what I thought. You did good, not so good. I'm always open to feedback. Okay, let's make sure that we have this out in the next two days. Um, I just published one episode this morning and tomorrow I have another interview. So let's see if tomorrow is a bit short, but probably uh, two days. Then we okay. still have a few okay. days That'd to go. Great. That'd be great. Um, where can people reach you besides LinkedIn, uh, Alex Ivanov? So they can, LinkedIn is arguably the best place to reach me. Just drop me a connection request. I'd appreciate if you put something like, hey, I heard you on Oliver's podcast, so I know where you're coming from. Um, the other option is to just jump on my website and enter your email. I've got a subscription list going. As of right now, I have yet to send out a single newsletter. So don't worry about putting your email in and being bombarded with emails. Right now, I haven't sent a single one. I mean, this will change in the future, but basically that's a great way of staying in touch with anything that I have going on. Super, well, that's awesome. And uh, dear listeners, you heard it. Uh, we plan also for uh, <laughs> Alex Ivanov here, several episodes and uh please let me know if you have any questions i should ask him or ask directly <laughs> alex and then we'll see what we'll do and until then uh, thanks for for your time and listening into our episode and talk
Yes, thank you very much for having me. This is uh, this is my first one, so let's not forget. This is my first my first podcast interview, and uh, yeah, probably not my last. But it's nice having a first out of the way. Okay, see you guys. Hey, here's Oliver again at the end of the show. I if you like this interview or any other episode I had so far. Please head out and go to your favorite podcast host, podcast provider and put that subscribe button so you will get all my future episodes as well. And if you're so friendly and you really like and enjoy and would like more people to be able to to benefit from the interviews I have, go out to uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are and leave some uh, review some ratings which will help to get my show a little bit more seen thank you very much for that and have a great day